Hello, everyone, and a warm welcome to Ben Squared, a lovely Invesco podcast seeking to share insights on the major market events in just 10 minutes. Uh, I'm Ben Gutteridge, resident host and director of Model Portfolios. And completing the square, I'm joined by our resident guest, Ben Jones, and our director of macro research. Today's focus will be on the all important subject of inflation and what's been a very busy period for interest rate decisions and central bank communications and a busy period for people people like Ben too who both write and dream about this stuff. But before we get Ben's take and what it all might mean for investors, uh, the audience should be clear this recording is intended for UK professional investors only, should not be considered as investment advice and any capital invested is always capital at risk. We'd also like the audience to hang on after the conversation is finished to hear some additional important disclaimers. Right, Ben, uh, a manic few weeks for you. As usual, uh, how are you faring? I'm very well, Ben. I'm sitting here in um, sunny Madrid, actually, and it is a beautiful day in, in Madrid. I'd like to say relaxing, but unfortunately still working. Yes, I know. You're speaking to some very important people uh, some movers and shakers in the sovereign wealth uh, realm. So good luck with those conversations. Um, but look, um, we know that inflation is this important story. And, and for people like you, Ben, I know it's sort of almost like Christmas every day with so many ways to carve it all up, whether it's headline, core, annual, month on month, trimmed mean, CPI, RPI, PCE, all these toys to play with. Uh, but we would really like to get to know what dri- what is the most important amongst those and drives your investment thinking. So let's begin with the US. We've got US bond yields hitting decade highs, I think 16 years or something like that. Uh, I mean, what's the story there? I thought those collection of inflation numbers were sort of trending down. How can yields be hitting new highs? Yeah, but look, they um, they are trending lower and there is still some some good news in inflation um, coming through after what has been a very, very good year for inflation. Um, but unfortunately, as you sort of referenced at the top there, there's a lot of ways that you can break the inflation data down and it's not universally good news at the moment. So while we've got good news in things like rental inflation that's finally starting to roll over, and that was a big driver of inflation over recent years, you've got things like um, energy costs and specifically oil and gasoline costs that are starting to to creep higher. Now, at the moment, on a year on year basis, they are still um, contributing to a disinflationary story. But we've had those prices rising over recent months and and very quickly they could turn into a a positive inflation um, story once again. So there's a bit of a disparity um, coming through there. And even then, when you look at some of the broader the the broader goods inflation you can see shipping costs starting to rise again the supply chain index is in deeply negative negative territory but it started to tick higher again things like agricultural prices obviously which feed into food prices as well starting to tick higher again and what that for me suggests is that the the very broad sort of consistent narrative and disinflation that we had at the beginning of the year which was very supportive for um, for risk uh, markets is starting to become a lot more nuanced, a lot more complicated. There's, there's a lot more going on below the surface um, right now. So, look, I think um, actually inflation is suddenly um, going to slow, is potentially not going to hit that, that 2% target. And that's why we saw last week from the Fed 
um, that the Fed is that more hawkish. You did see that the dots rise um, because I think they are very aware of that data and it's going to become a lot more more challenging. The final thing I should say as well is that generally speaking in the US at the moment, the growth data is still remaining um, pretty resilient. Now, obviously, that could change and that could change this narrative um, quite quickly. And we need to watch that very closely. But at the moment, you've got relatively resilient data in the US inflation numbers that are becoming much more nuanced. And for me, that means that the bond yields are probably going to carry on trending higher in the US. Oh dear, I'm not sure I like the sound of that. Um, and something else I don't like the sound of is this sort of chart that's doing the rounds on the financial uh, social media groups, uh, chart from Larry Summers, sort of the former Treasury Secretary, you know, I guess sort of the U- US equivalent of Chancellor, um, about the prospects of inflation, not only sort of um staying persistent but actually sort of spiking higher from here what what what, can you explain the chart and what what's behind it and what do you make of it yeah so what what larry's done there is he's overlaid um the 1970s period with the the 2020s period essentially so you've got this pickup in inflation in the early 1970s which which he's coincided with the the 2020s period and then you get that disinflationary period from sort of 74 through to 76 and then what happened in the late 70s is you got inflation picking up quite rapidly and went back up into double digit um territory now there is a lot of hyperbole in in Larry's um, chart there, and there are a lot of differences between what happened in the 1970s and today, for example. Now, for example, the Fed started um, cutting rates before inflation peaked in the early 1970s under uh, Arthur Burns. That's clearly very different from what we're seeing um, from the the Powell Fed um, today. Um, there's also some issues with the charts in putting two lines on different time horizons over on two different axes. But look, who amongst us hasn't done that in the um, in the past? So I'm not going to cast stones there. The one criticism that is being thrown at, at Larry's chart a little bit, which I think is a bit unmerited, unwarranted, though, is this idea that in the late 70s, you then got a, a surge in energy prices and oil prices. And obviously that came from the, the conflicts that we had in the Middle East during that period. And people are saying, well, that can't happen again. And I, I sort of think, well, hang on, look around the world. We've got a lot of geopolitical tensions at the moment. We've got a supply restriction on oil and oil prices are ramping higher. I think to say that that is completely out of the realms of possibility is a complete mistake. Now, I don't necessarily think that oil prices will double from here, but I think we've got to appreciate that the trend is probably upwards and certainly higher on energy prices um, globally um, going forward. But really, what I think the the point that Larry or Mr. Summers is trying to make is that we should not be complacent on inflation. And I think that is a really, really good message to take away. Um, We're going to need to be watching inflation much, much more closely over the coming decade than we have over the uh, the previous decade where you've just had sort of this low steady moderate um, inflation with not a lot of volatility that's something that is over i think yeah that certainly did seem like a bit of a flimsy critique but look before we yeah. pivot to uk and, and europe you know markets are, are searching for and hoping for inflation sort of trending lower and it doesn't seem like that's your your base case um but what would what would be the catalyst? How could inflation continue to sort of trend lower from here? Because, uh, you know, that sort of thing, I think, would be encouraging to markets. But, but you know, obviously you can concede that it's not your your uh, your core view. No, I mean, I mean, look, I think there are some reasons why inflation trends lower. Certainly, I mean, the the housing price inflation is going to to come lower. The um, the real time data from Zillow, for example, is trending significantly lower and the official data will follow 
um, follow that. So that's going to be a disinflationary trend for for really some time um, to come. The other thing that could, and it's not a good news story, that could take um, inflation lower is just the demand conditions um, slow down. If you get layoffs taking place and if you get wage pressures um, coming lower uh, once again, and obviously look, you've got things like the United Auto Workers um, strike at the moment, you've got the writer strike in Hollywood at the moment as well, that potentially is putting some upward pressure on wages. Um, and when you've got a, lay, a tight labour market, that can happen. But if um, you get growth turning over, if you get unemployment coming lower and then wages um, softening, then that's something that could take um, inflation lower as well. Unfortunately, in that environment, you've then got a growth um, downtrend to contend with. And for me, that's not necessarily what um, that's not good for risk markets. Not quite. OK, well, let's pivot to the UK again. We sort of mm. saw um, it was a close call, but it was determined that uh, going on pause was the appropriate decision, as far at least as the on balance, uh, the MPC decided. Um, what, what's the story there then? What, why, why are we able to go on pause with inflation seemingly still so high above target? Yeah, look, and as you say, very finely balanced, five to four, um, so close call. Um, and it came very um, close on the inflation numbers that came out the, the day before, which were uh, reasonably significantly lower than expected. But, but as you pointed out correctly, Ben, still very high by historical um, standards. So UK service inflation, it eased, but it was still 6.8% um, year on year in August. Um, and goods inflation was particularly a little bit higher, actually, to, to 6.3% in, in August. Um, some of that on the goods side was down to petrol prices and also alcohol prices. There was an adjustment in fuel duty in the UK in the month of, of August. But there were two things that really jumped out at me in the um, numbers that I think probably jumped out to the, the Bank of England as well. And that was the uh, prices on airfares in particular. Um, they fell uh, 2% or 2.1% in August, month on month um, for airfares. That's really unusual. Typically, what you see is that airfares rise in the month of August, and that's pretty consistent. Um, so airfares falling um, says something, I think, about the demand for services. And then the other one that jumped out in a similar story was on hotels as well, and hotel prices were lower in the um, in the month of August. And that sort of goes to this narrative that you've got the still coming out of COVID and the sort of the, the, the travel boom and the revenge spending that seems to be um, weakening off um, somewhat as, as well. So because those were two very um, sort of demand driven discretionary spend driven points of inflation. Um, that's something I think the Bank of England looked at and thought, oh, hang on a minute, is growth and demand starting to to weaken and roll over in um, in the UK? And I think it's probably right that they go on a pause and just sort of have a bit of a bit of a wait and see, because we know that unlike the US, the UK is a much more sort of short rate driven uh, market because uh, mortgage rates are on generally much, much shorter terms than they are in the US, for example. So I think, again, look, there's a lot you can dig into on the UK inflation numbers and tell um, either a very positive or a very negative um, narrative. But those two numbers in particular jumped out at me and I suspect they jumped out at the uh, the Bank of England and said, oh, let's just just wait and see um, here as well. So my sense is that this is probably going to to carry on um, and it is something that is going to keep the uh, the Bank of England um, on pause now. We, we probably have hit the uh, the peak um, for, for UK um, policy rates here. OK, and what about Europe then? Obviously, they made their hike, but again, seem to be uh, come with communication that suggests they're sort of done with with hikes. So um, I'm just trying to get a sense 
like how you sort of size up the UK, Europe, US position in terms of their agenda mm. from here? Where are the inflationary threats going to be more persistent? Who's going to be able to um, pause for longest or who might have to, to, to cut sooner? Uh, so I think, yeah, it's a really good question, Ben. And I think um, that the, they've all got slightly different problems. I think the, the US still has a problem where some of the inflation is, is demand driven. And that's why I think there's probably still one more hike in um, for the Fed. And then they stay on hold for, for a lot longer. As I've already said, there are, the US is a much less sensitive uh, economy to, to rates. Um, then Europe is sort of somewhere um, in the um, in the middle. A demand there clearly is weakening off. We can see that in a lot of numbers from places like Germany, uh, for example. But sitting here in, in Spain um, today, it seems very, very busy. Some of the people that I've been speaking to suggest that actually the, the Spanish economy is running on, on all cylinders, um, actually. So um, looking looking quite strong there. But I think, again, the, the ECB is probably on pause here for a period of time. There is a lot more mixed data, again, in the inflation the numbers there, wages still running really high. But, and then at that, the other end of the spectrum then is the UK, where I think actually the is stacking up that the, the growth dynamics in the UK are starting to weaken more quickly. Some of the inflation numbers are starting to, to weaken more quickly. The big sort of fly in the ointment for all of these, of course, is what happens on energy prices. If we get a cold winter in Europe, gas prices are going to move higher. Um, we, if we have um, strikes in, um, in the gas producing industry, we're going to get gas prices moving higher over the winter. Um, oil supply, if that continues to remain tight, oil prices, petrol prices can continue to move higher. Now, unfortunately, those are two elements that the, the policymakers have zero control over. No matter how much they cut or raise interest rates, you're not going to pump more oil or get more molecules into the system, as it were. So I think central bankers are in a really challenging position and they've really just got to look at what are the things that we think that we can control. And it's why I point to those um, hotel and airfare numbers in the, U in, Europe, in the UK, sorry, because those are a signal of demand. That is something that policymakers potentially have some kind of control over. And if those are the numbers that are weakening, then it says, OK, let's let's take a pause here. If it's energy price driven, which is out of their control, then I think perhaps that, that they don't need to be um, sort of hiking into into that type of environment. But, yeah, a really, really challenging one. I would not like to be a central banker right now. Um and a very an unfair one to finish because I know there are so many variables that go into lots of an equity investment sort of forecast. But you know, how are you feeling about uh, I guess equities at large on the basis that uh, you think uh, central banks aren't about to sort of pivot to cutting rates sort of imminently, and maybe these inflationary pressures are a little bit more persistent than uh, th than some. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, ben, we've talked about this through the year and I, obviously um, I've pointed out that I've been sort of slightly wrong in my view of equities from an absolute um, position. I, I thought that equities were going to be weaker through the beginning of, of this year. That was generally the, very much the consensus across the street and that didn't pan out. Um, I do think towards the end of this year, we do get that weakness coming through. Um, it's not my most strongly convicted view at the moment where I think the better value um, to be had is to be taking relative um, positions within the equity space. And it, it comes back to what we talked about all the way through the last sort of 10 15 minutes or so is that there's a lot of different stories going on within the um, inflation picture depending on which sector you're looking at there's a lot of different stories um, taking place when it comes to different countries different sectors within the equity market and that's why um, taking um, positions from an rv basis being a bit more sort of active in your approach i think is is the way to be thinking about equity investing right now rather than doing what you've done over the last 15 years which is essentially 
you're just taking a beat at bet. Um, I think we're in this sort of environment where equities either sort of trend sideways or perhaps a little bit lower. But there's a lot more dispersion within the equity market. That's probably the, the big takeaway that I would um, like to get from uh, from equities right now. OK, so some optimism. There are some opportunities to, to make money, but it uh, could be a difficult. Oh, always, op- always opportunities. Always opportunities. Quite Absolutely. right, Ben. Quite right. OK, we'll wrap it up there. Lots to reference in future podcasts, but uh, I think our time's up. Uh, as usual, we will be back in a fortnight. But you can, of course, you can reach out to uh, either of us or follow us on LinkedIn and certainly keep an eye out for Ben's efforts, Ben Jones on uh, on Twitter, if you want to chat about anything before you hear from us again in a fortnight. Uh, or, of course, please also just get in touch with your Investco relationship manager. Uh, but before you leave us, please do listen to the following investment risks and information. Uh, the value of investments and any income will fluctuate. This may partly be the result of exchange rate fluctuations and investors may not get back the full amount invested. This podcast is intended for UK professional clients only, is not for consumer use. Views and opinions are based on current market conditions and are subject to change. This is marketing material and not financial advice. It is not intended as a recommendation to buy or sell any particular asset class, uh, security or strategy. Regulatory requirements that require impartiality of investment or investment strategy recommendations are therefore not applicable, nor are any prohibitions to trade before publication. Issued by Invesco Asset Management Limited, authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.